Welcome to episode 110 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles... On the shortest, darkest day of the year, can we still find a glimmer of light? Yes. We'll talk about lumens, light bulbs, and LEDs, and what they can do for you in the dark. On the Summit Gear Review, a flexible light that transitions seamlessly from lantern to landing strip. Next on the Backpack Hack of the Week, If your closet is crammed with coats, we'll help you find the perfect home for them. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles. We're part of a backpacking group that does an annual backpacking trip, except, well, we've mentioned this past fall we missed the trip uh, due to other things that we had going on. But a couple, a a husband and wife who are part of that backpacking trip, just this past spring, they put their house up for sale. It sold right away, and they moved into a motorhome. And since then, since spring, they've been traveling the country in their motorhome. We also have another friend who did this a few years ago. She took her boys out on this Grand America Adventure. I think they did all 50 states. And it sounds like a lot of fun just to head out and explore this incredible country. This is kind of a trend that we've noticed where people pack it all up and take off on a road trip. They leave all their stuff behind, either in a storage unit or they sell it all off and embark on this wild adventure. Someone I know in my profession uh, just did this. He and his wife and their two kids, they sold the house in California, bought a fifth wheel, and uh, now they're traveling the country. And if he has a conference to go to, the whole family comes along uh, and they just uh, camp in an RV park while he attends whatever conference. Yeah, and I was researching tiny houses a few weeks ago because... I want to live in a tiny house. I don't want to vacuum a whole bunch of carpet. I think a tiny house sounds awesome. But as I was researching this idea, I found a family that had 10 kids and they're traveling around the United States in a trailer, just, you know, homeschooling as they go. And that's their life, the road life. The She Explores podcast on uh, August 11th had an episode called Creatives on the Road, where she interviewed uh, two different women who just um, live the van life, and uh, they're, they're living and working on the road. And then the Homesteady podcast. Uh, we were on the Homesteady podcast with Austin about a year ago. And then to our surprise, on his episode on October 23rd, 2016, he announced, we're selling the homestead. We're selling the whole farm. And we're going to hit the road for about six months with our family. Now, I think all of these different people have various reasons for doing this. In some cases, it's maybe just seeking adventure. They want to have a wild adventure, can't stand the thought of just being tied down or tethered down to one place. And for others, maybe it's uh, seeking simplicity or, you know, where it it just feels like life has gotten too complicated and, and you're just burdened down. You know, I mean, there's so much in our society today. When I look at the monthly bills that we pay just to maintain our house, 
you know, and electricity and gas and sewer and garbage. And, you know, it just the list goes on. Insurance, there's so much. And so I think for some people, it's kind of that aspect of, you know what, we could just get rid of all of that complexity and just hit the road. And for others, maybe they feel like they've just been spending all their time working in order to pay for the house or for whatever they have, their, the life that they have. And the thought is, well, if we could hit the road, then we could spend more time together as a family. Yeah, all of those reasons sound great. I don't think hitting the road is really in our plans. Uh, I really do enjoy a house. And as much as I complain about it, I really don't mind taking care of a home. But it really does leave me wondering, the people who are taking off on these kind of extended trips, is that the only way to get that kind of away from it all feeling? Do you have to leave it all in order to kind of decompress and to find yourself again or, you know, hit the reset button on life? just seems so, um, it seems just like a huge commitment. Yeah, just in case our listeners are wondering, uh, this is not an announcement that the Leglers are going to hit the road and no. sell everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've just uh, watched a number of people who are doing that right now. And it's fascinating to just to see their experiences. And I guess to, to kind of see like what, what are the ups and downs, the pros and cons of doing that. But I, I totally relate. I totally get where they're coming from, at least the ones who are doing it to simplify life. Because like I said, I looked into the tiny house movement and the idea of having a much smaller place where you have less counters to wipe off and less floors to clean and just less stuff to move back and forth. And that sounds great. Yeah. And I suppose this is that time of year where everything is kind of, well, at least... Here in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> and in many areas of the Northern Hemisphere, it's that dark time of the year. The sun gets up late. It goes to bed early. The clouds are around. It's cold. We don't get out as much. You start to kind of get that cabin fever. Yeah. Like, I'm stuck. Yeah, that kind of antsy feeling like, just got to get out of town, leave it all, that kind of, yeah, that feeling. I totally understand. Well, one of the things that can really have a huge impact, you know, on our mood, our outlook on life, and even our ability to function is light. Light has a lot of power. And if you look around at Christmas time, you'll notice a lot of different sources of light because everyone's trying to compensate for the sun disappearing. And so you have Christmas lights everywhere. You see candles. Hmm, that's about it. <laughs> no, but people put lights on everything. They wrap them around trees. They put them on their banister. They put them around their windows. I mean, light just makes you feel great. In fact, behind our house, there's a guy that has a, a big oh, a greenhouse. A greenhouse, and he lights it inside. So at night, we have this huge glowing greenhouse <laughs> behind our house. And uh, I guess... At first, it was a little bit odd, a little bit uh, suspicious. But now that it's so dark all the time, it's kind of comforting. I like seeing that big glowing house. It's a greenhouse, but our kids like to call it the lighthouse. <laughs> yeah, it's super bright. So today's episode is 
the shortest, darkest day of the year, either today or tomorrow. And so we wanted to focus on light today to bring that, ah, you know, that buoyancy, that glow, that happiness that comes from light. So if you're sitting in a dim room, at least turn up a light, (laughs) turn on a light and get that glow so you can feel that happiness that comes from light. So this sounds like a pretty deep philosophical episode, but actually it's not. Our top five (laughs) list is just the top five types of lights that you can bring on a backpacking trip. I think this is a really valuable top five list because 30 years ago, everyone had a flashlight. That was just how you lighted your way on camping and backpacking trips. But there are other types of lights that I think are really valuable for backpacking trips that each serve a very unique purpose. And nowadays there's a wide variety. So we're going to cover those today. So the number one type of light for your backpacking trip is a traditional flashlight. This is like the torch style that you brought to summer camp. It's handheld. And if you have an old torch style flashlight with D batteries and one of those glass light bulbs, or what do you call them? A filament? Uh huh. Yeah. The incandescent or uh, Krypton bulbs. Mm -hmm. Those were popular. Yeah, if you have one of those sitting in your garage, this might be the next piece of gear that you'll want to replace because things have improved tenfold in the last 30 years. In fact, the old torch flashlights is the reason that batteries are still on the list of 10 essentials. Yeah, the burn time of a flashlight with an old incandescent bulb with some nice hefty batteries was measured in the range of like 10 hours. So you would replace the batteries every couple backpacking trips. And nowadays with LED bulbs, we're measuring burn time in like the 100 hour range where you go for a year or more of backpacking trips before you replace the batteries. That's an incredible change. And if you're worried about the cost of buying a brand new flashlight with LED bulbs and, you know, a super efficient battery, I picked up our kids LED lights the flashlight style at Walmart for a dollar and it came with a battery and they had like five different colors. It was in the outdoor sporting goods section. So a torch style flashlight is a great way to go if you're looking for something inexpensive, simple, traditional. Just get one with LED bulbs and you'll be set. The number two type of light for your backpacking trip is a headlamp. A headlamp is a wearable light that's great for hands-free task lighting. So you wear it on your forehead, has a band that goes all the way around your head, and it's super convenient because wherever you look is lighted. And they tend to be slightly annoying because when you look at someone while you're wearing your headlamp, you're also blinding them. So usually headlamps have a little, um, the light pivots so you can turn it, you know, more toward the ground. So when you look at someone, you're not blinding them. My first headlamp... Uh, It was a gift from your parents, Mm -hmm. I think, for Christmas 10 years ago. Uh, This is back when we still had incandescent bulbs. So the bulb was on the front, and then the battery pack was in the back, filled with, I think, three double A's, if I remember right, or four double A's. And it would last for a few hours. You know, the, the traditional flashlight just turned into a headlamp. And I think that was the limitation for headlamps. Why they didn't catch on earlier was because of all that bulk and weight. And now that we've gone to LED bulbs and we can have much smaller batteries powering those bulbs, uh, headlamps have just taken off. It seems like everyone has one. My current headlamp, 
is a Petzl, and it has, I think, uh, three AAA batteries just built right into where the lens is. So it's all in the front. There's no battery pack on the back. It is significantly smaller and lighter than my first headlamp. But the one I'm really intrigued by right now is the Petzl E-Lite because it weighs under an ounce, 27 Ooh. grams. Wow. It's not real bright, but it's this tiny little light. And you know what? Pretty much every time I use my headlamp, I turn it down to the lowest brightness or I even put my fingers over it so that I lit out just a little bit of light because I'm, I'm trying to not really ruin my night vision too much, but I need just a little bit of light to help me see something in the complete darkness. So yeah, the Petzl E-Light, that's at under one ounce. Yeah, that sounds cool. That's awesome. Well, one that we've reviewed is the Yuko A120, which has a dimmer. And I love that feature because of what you said, it doesn't ruin your night vision. You can turn it on to the very lowest setting and just get the little amount of light that you need and then turn it off. And it's a great way to preserve battery too. And we reviewed the Yuko headlamp in episode 43. The third type of light for your backpacking trip is a button light. These are little cheap, maybe one LED lights that can hook to your zipper pull, or you can put them on a tab inside of your pack. And they're awesome because they're ultra lightweight. They just give you that little tiny light that you need to maybe find a pair of dry socks in your pack or to check your hip pocket to make sure there's no trail mix in there when you go to sleep at night. It's just a really great little light. And they last forever because you only use them for short durations of time. I have one inside of my pack. I believe it's a night eyes button light. And instead of pushing a little button to turn it on, you actually swipe your finger over it. So it reduces the risk of the light being pushed on when you're cramming stuff in your pack. Usually button lights don't have an on-off tab or switch. Usually you just push it and then as soon as you let go, it turns off. But you can find ones like the Night Eyes brand where you can turn it on and it'll stay on. So that's kind of nice because you could have the headlamp on your head and that's lighting your tent or where you're prepping a meal or whatever it is you're doing. And then you go to look inside your pack and sometimes the headlamp just, even though it's right on your head, you don't quite get the right angle of light. You know, it's more of that, that direct light. So there's the dark shadows and you end up just not seeing what you need to see. And so with that tiny button light, I mean, yours is what? Probably an ounce? Uh, probably way less than that. Okay, a half ounce because yeah. it's got just a little button battery in it. Yeah. And uh, so you can turn that on and just get that kind of soft light that's enough to light up the inside of your pack right. without having to fiddle with your headlamp, which you're using for, you know, for the stuff outside your pack. Right. And another reason a button light is so great is because it's a backup light source. So say something horrible happened to your headlamp and you watched it float down the river and now you're crying. You have this button light as kind of a backup. It's your emergency light. It's super lightweight and... I don't know how well it's going to do it getting you down the trail in the middle of the night, but at least it's going to be a little bit of light insurance. The fourth type of light for your backpacking trip is a lantern light. Now, what immediately comes to mind is those Coleman oh, yeah. lanterns. The classic lanterns, yep. yeah. Yeah, those are great for car camping, <laughs> but I can't imagine taking one on a backpacking trip. Uh, it's heavy, it's bulky, it's fragile. That's just not good. I'm pretty sure my eyes are permanently damaged from staring at those little glowing sacks inside of the Coleman lanterns. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're actually talking about is 
you know, things have come a long ways. Now you can get lantern, quote unquote, lantern lights that are not run off of white gas with little filament sacks or whatever those were. Uh, you can get lantern lights that are just made out of plastic. They're rechargeable, electric, and they have uh, solar panels built into them. So they recharge during the day. They're ready to go at night. And one of the lantern lights that we've reviewed is the Luminade, which we reviewed in episode 53. These are really nice for ambient light. Put it in your tent or, you know, under a tarp that you've set up and you get that all around soft lighting instead of just that direct beam that you might get from a headlamp or a flashlight. And the number five type of light for your backpacking trip is string lighting. And this is a relatively new genre of light. I mean, I guess it's been around since Christmas trees and all that, but as far as string lighting for camping and backpacking, it's a really new category. String lighting is the same idea behind Christmas tree lights in that there are tiny lights strung at intervals and you can hang the lights however you want. You can keep them all clustered together for one mass glowing orb. You can use it inside your tent. You can use it around a picnic table. The idea is that it gives you a little more versatility in your lighting so that you can put the light where you want it, how you want it. The cheapest way to do string lighting is with those uh, dollar store tent lights that we shared in episode 102. Hey, it's Christmas season. Maybe they'll have them on closeout for less than a dollar in a few days. I don't know. You could stock up on these strings of dollar store Christmas lights. Okay, they are truly awesome. We decided to do a little test on these dollar store LED lights. They're battery powered. They take like two AAA batteries. Yeah. And... We turned ours on in October, so around October 15th, and they glowed solid for, I mean, like a good strong light for probably, what, a week? Yeah. And then they kind of started to dim a little bit. So when they started to dim gradually, I took them off the mantle and I shoved them in our junk drawer, but I left them on. <laughs> so as of now, they are still glowing in our junk drawer. Nobody's turned them off. They're still on. And I kind of just want to see how long they'll last. I mean, they're not providing any kind of valuable light, but... No, it has to be pretty dark to even <laughs> notice that they're still on. <laughs> right. But they gave a tremendous amount of light for a pretty long time. There are also other varieties of string lighting um, that we'll talk about in our Summit Gear review today. Power Practical has a product called the Luminoodle, and recently they also came out with another variety of the Luminoodle, which is a colored light Luminoodle, and does all sorts of tricks and, you know, has a little light show built into it, which is probably more for the, uh, the festival-going crowd. <laughs> yeah, or the glamping crowd. Huh? Right, or... I guess if you wanted to decorate your kid's bedroom with those, go for it. But the Luminoodle, um, we'll be reviewing that in just one minute. But first, we're going to throw in a bonus type Ooh. of lighting. Oh, I like this. I know. I, it's a top five list, and then we keep coming up with number six. I know. We can break our own rules, though. You're right. Yeah. Well, number six is firelight. Oh, I love it. It might be a campfire or it might be the Yuko Micro Candle Lantern. We've reviewed that on a past yeah. episode. And there's a certain warmth to it that you just don't get with LED lights. Right. Yeah. Firelight is so comforting. It's just, 
Yeah, you just feel so good around fire. Downside is uh, it's not very portable. You'd have a hard time lighting your way on the trail, you know, hiking down the trail with a fire in your hand. Or a torch. You could do a, a torch. torch. Oh. A torch. Better not be a dry forest. Yeah, really. Well, we are not suggesting <laughs> that that <laughs> would be a good idea by any stretch of the imagination. No. But the other light options are, and whether you bring a flashlight, a headlamp, a little button light, a lantern light, or a string light, any of these lights are going to be great on the trail, and each has kind of their own little niche, you know, their own little special thing that they do. And, of course, because light is so important on the trail, make sure that no matter what light source you bring, that you have a backup. All right, give me a second. To prepare for our Summit Gear review, I'm going to turn off the lights. Ooh, it's dark. And I'm going to turn on the Luminoodle. All right, then I'll hang it up here. And we'll record the Summit Gear review by the light of the Luminoodle. Aw, feels like we're camping in yeah. our closet. We're camping in our closet. <laughs> <laughs> so for the Summit Gear review today, we are reviewing the Luminoodle by Power Practical. And yes, we are in the dark right now. <laughs> Josh hung up the Luminoodle in its little pouch so that we can be lighted by it. It's the first time we've ever recorded in the dark. Right. And this just makes me realize um, we could record through a power outage, too, oh, because yeah. the laptop does just fine for a few hours. And now we've got our light source. Excellent. <laughs> well, for a structure, the Luminoodle is a string light, like we talked about in our top five list, and it's five feet long or 1.5 meters. And these are lights that are encased in a flexible silicone strip. So the name Luminoodle is very apropos. It looks like a five-foot-long noodle. You know, those those thick Chinese noodles or something. Or the fettuccine. No, the egg. Yeah, the, the egg, egg noodles. noodles. Yeah. And about every two inches, there's an LED light embedded in this uh, silicone noodle. And the Luminoodle really can be used in a dozen different ways. It comes with silicone ties which you can then use to attach it to the ceiling of your tent. Um, it also has embedded magnets inside of the Luminoodle so that you could attach it onto the side of your car. It also comes with a white nylon drawstring bag, which at first glance seems like just another stuff sack, which backpackers have loads of stuff sacks. But this one actually does something really cool. If you put the entire Luminoodle inside this little white nylon drawstring bag, it turns into a lantern. So then you can hang all 180 lumens anywhere in your camp or in your tent and light your entire space. And that's how we're using it right this very moment as we're recording. Well, these lights are IP rated. They're IP67. And we talked about this in a recent episode, the... IP, what is IP? Well, I know what IP stands for if we ask our kids, but um, no. technically IP stands for international protection or ingress protection. Now, I didn't do so well on the SAT or the ACT, so when I read ingress protection, I thought ingress was like, you know, Bob Ingress who created this rating system. Turns out ingress actually... <laughs> means is, something cool. Is the opposite of egress. 
And I that didn't help you out. Huh? Didn't help, no. <laughs> well, egress is a way to get out of something. Firefighters are always concerned about egress. So if they go into a burning building, the first thing they have to figure out is egress, how they're going to get back out of that burning building. Well, ingress is going in. So uh, ingress protection in a piece of gear uh, talks about how well it's protected against stuff getting inside of the gear. So the first number of the international protection or ingress protection is the protection that that object has against solid objects. So the luminoodle has the highest rating of six, which means it's protected against dust. And then the second number of the IP is the protection that the object has against liquids. And the luminoodle is rated for seven, which means it can be immersed in up to a meter of water for 30 minutes. In case you're curious, the highest IP rating is 9K, which means that an object is protected against close range, high pressure, high temperature spray downs. It's pretty intense. Wow. Yeah. So that's blasting it with boiling water, I basically. Guess. Yeah. So as far as mass goes, the Luminoodle weighs 3.4 ounces or 96 grams. The Luminoodle Plus which is actually just the Luminoodle plus the lithium 4400 power bank, weighs 7.4 ounces. As far as maintenance goes, this is kind of where you need to have either a power source of your own or get the Luminoodle Plus because the Luminoodle by itself, it won't glow. You have to have something to plug it into, some kind of power bank, you know, something you already have, or the one that Power Practical has, which is the Lithium 4400. So the Luminoodle by itself is just a big long noodle embedded with lights with a standard size USB connector at the end. And that's it. You could plug it into any USB source, which is cool because if you already have a backup battery that you bring on backpacking trips, then you've got another use for that backup battery. But if you don't, you're going to need to get one. As far as investment goes, it's $20 for the Luminoodle, which comes with silicone ties and the nylon lantern bag. Or it's $40 for the Luminoodle Plus, which comes with the lithium 4400 USB charger. And by the way, the charger only has one USB port on it. So if you've got the Luminoodle plugged in, you cannot also be charging your cell phone at the same time. It's one or the other. As far as trial goes, we took the Luminoodle on our hammock camping trip at the end of this summer, and we strung these lights up around the hammocks. Now, it's only five feet of light, so it didn't get very far, but it was still super bright and a great way to kind of light the hammock area. This was the area where we had all four of the kids, a couple of them kind of parallel to each other, and then a couple others kind of forming a triangle. And the Luminoodle lights were perfect to hang just kind of through the middle of that triangle and light the whole area. They were super easy to deal with because they're basically like a rope. You can tie the end around something, you can string it wherever you need to. And you don't even necessarily have to use it as a long luminoodle to light a large area. For one of our trips, we just threw the luminoodle up in the gear loft of our tent so we didn't have to string it from one end to the other. And, you know, sometimes the easiest way is the best way. So at first glance, the luminoodle might seem like a kind of gimmicky piece of gear. I mean, it has an adorable name, the luminoodle. But when it comes down to it, it's a durable... Super bright, functional, very versatile piece of gear. For today's backpack hack of the week, 
One warm coat. If you're wondering what to do with coats that you have in your closet that aren't being used, or coats that your kids have outgrown, this is a nonprofit organization where you can take your coats, and they will make sure that they get into the hands of people who need something warm to wear this winter. If you go to onewarmcoat.org, you can look up donation stations on their map. There will probably be one conveniently close to you. They have lots of donation stations. Before you donate, just make sure that the coat is clean, that you take out all the Halloween candy wrappers and rocks and what other things have we found in our kids' coats? Salamanders and snakes? Ew, I don't no, know. That's never happened. <laughs> okay. And you can donate adult coats as well. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Vincent Van Gogh. He said, Love is eternal. The aspect may change, but not the essence. There is the same difference in a person before and after he is in love as there is in an unlighted lamp and one that is burning. The lamp was there and was a good lamp, but now it is shedding light too, and that is its real function. And love makes one calmer about many things, and that way one is more fit for one's work. Has nothing to do with backpacking, sorry. It, it was has just something to do with light. Yeah, love and light. I just thought it was a beautiful quote. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Is that enough to read by? Yeah, okay. it is. It's really funny. <laughs> so the name Luminoodle is very apropos. Apropos? Apropos. Apropos. Yeah. <laughs>